series called Catalyst, which we've been talking about the last uh, several weeks. Uh, but before I do that, I just wanted to draw your attention to something. Uh, this week and for the next few weeks, we're going to be having our membership renewal at Church in the Valley. And a member of Church in the Valley is somebody who has decided to join the team to pitch in to help us accomplish the mission that God has given us. And there's a membership covenant that we have, and there's certain commitments that members make, which we ask above and beyond uh, just regular attenders. And so inside uh, your program today is the membership renewal card. And if you are a member of Church in the Valley, I, I want to ask you beginning today to consider uh, renewing your membership. Each year, a commitment to Church in the Valley is actually a commitment that you to make and decide to renew. And so uh, if you are re- on board and ready to rejoin the team here at Church in the Valley, you'll see the membership card uh, in there. You can fill that out and drop that in the offering. Uh, if you're not a member of Church in the Valley and you'd like to know what the commitment looks like, on the back side of the card, you'll see the membership uh, covenant and you can read through that. And that will give you a sense of uh, what members commit to. And so if you're interested in, in that, I encourage you, I just knocked over a microphone there. I encourage you to uh, read that. And if you're interested in becoming a member of Church in the Valley, uh, there's a place where you can request uh, some more information. And so we want to just to give that to all of you this morning. Uh, as I mentioned later in the service, that's going to be coming by. So if you're interested in more information, uh, if you have questions or if you're ready to uh, renew your membership, you can go ahead and do that. We're going to be doing that the next uh, few weeks and you'll see that uh, each week in the uh, in the program. And so just wanted to draw your attention to that. Please feel free to to pull that out. Uh, like I mentioned, we are uh, continuing the message series and actually wrapping it up today. And we've been looking at uh, faith catalysts and really the things that God uses to grow our faith. And these are things that uh, as you interview people that have been walking with God for a period of time, uh, they would say that this is true of their life and it's common experience. And it's it's also biblical that you find in Scripture that there's certain things that God continually uses again and again to stretch us. And in this series, we've been defining faith as really the thing that you place your confidence in, the thing that you trust. You put the weight of your life in the things that you have faith for the faith, uh, the more confidence you have in that thing. And so with God, uh, he really demands us to put complete and all our confidence in him. And it's not a blind faith as much as it is realizing that uh, we cannot live life the way it is meant to be lived by ourselves and we need God to help us. And so just as a way of review, I want to just to highlight where we've spent the last few weeks as we've been talking about these catalysts. And here they are. Here's the five faith, the five faith Catalyst. The first one is a practical teaching. Uh, that's when you hear uh, things about the Bible and somebody teaches you the Bible in a way that it just you, you want to do something. You actually want to act. You want to live it out. And it challenges you. Uh, the second is private disciplines. This is uh, when you learn to read the Bible for yourself and actually gain information and help from it. And prayer as you learn to talk to God. And how do you communicate with him? And so private disciplines are crucial for a faith that's growing. Uh, we looked at providential relationships. Uh, these are the relationship that God wires together and we couldn't really plan it. We couldn't really figure it out by ourselves. But God has put us within this circle of relationships. And as we look, we're not exactly sure how that's come about, but we see that we're there to help others and people are there to help us. And there's this commitment with people that, that you've really seen can grow your faith. And uh, God wants us to move out of isolation to actually committing to a group of people. And that's how he uses that catalyst. 
Uh, we also talked about personal ministry. And that's really uh, sacrificing on behalf of others. Uh, this is volunteering your time, giving your resources, giving your energy to something that's beyond just you and your own goals and your own interests. And at Church in the Valley, we have so many people that do this every week by serving and volunteering. And it's even beyond that. People that in their own time, when they're at home, thinking through how they can serve the people that they relate to. And so we're going to wrap up talking about the last catalyst, which is pivotal circumstances. These are the things that you experience in your life, which you did not see coming. And they're pivotal because you have a choice as to which way you are going to turn once the circumstances come. These are things like trouble. This is like pressure. These are things like pain. These are like all the things that that we face that are just they test us. They test our patience. They test kind of what we're all about. They just put us in the pressure cooker of life. And from the heat is revealed what what we're really made of. And God wants to use pivotal circumstances to get our attention. He wants to use pivotal circumstance for us to kind of see what is it that we really do place our trust in when it comes down to it what is it that we place our confidence in and many times again and again he uses these pressure points these pivotal circumstances the trouble the pain for us to kind of discover wow i thought i put my confidence in here but in the pressure i find this is what i'm really concerned about and again and again god wants to show us That despite all the things that we may put our confidence in, that we may put our trust in, it's in the midst of these pivotal circumstances that God wants us to actually turn to him, to put our confidence in him and him alone. So this catalyst, like all the rest, are actually uh, connected to our response. Really, they're connected to the attitude that we have. The attitude that we have as we experience these catalysts are key to how they grow us or not. Just like life, our attitude towards the things that we face are crucial. That's why things that are unexpected, that's why things that are painful, if we always expect to know exactly what's going on, if it to be exactly what we think we can handle at the moment, life can really rough us up. And it's the same with all of these. If we have this attitude that we are self-sufficient, that we have everything that we need, when things happen to us, we react. And oftentimes we react negatively. I wanted to share a quote about uh, really the crucial impact of our attitude and actually choosing the right attitude as we face specifically pain and trouble. And it's from uh, Charles Swindoll. And uh, he's a prominent pastor in America. And this is what he says. He says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. Uh, We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have. That is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And that is like an awesome quote. And it's just bumper sticker worthy. However, that's like a really big bumper sticker for a really big car. 
right? But most of the time when you hear quotes like this, you think that is so true. 10% is what happens. 90% what I think. And then you leave here and your car doesn't start. And you're like, no, why me? Wow, that was like a little too much. That scared me. So I apologize for that. But so true. You hear this stuff. And you're like that. That's right. Amen, brother. But then life hits us and we're just like, forget that. 90% is I'm freaking out. 10%, I have a plan, right? But it's true. It's, it's our attitude. It's our view. It's our perspective. And so I want that to kind of be the lens that we look through. We're not talking just about trouble and if it will happen. We're really talking about trouble and when it will happen. And we're going to dig in in a little bit and look at what the Bible has to say about how to handle the circumstances that are going to rock your world. How do you handle them in a way that actually your faith can grow? Before we dig into what the Bible has to say, I wanted to share a story of uh, a member of our church. And Chris Clore, once you come out, I want to introduce you to Chris. Uh, Chris is a longtime member of Church in the Valley. Uh, he's been married to Sherry Clore, and they have uh, three beautiful girls. And uh, Chris recently has really experienced some of these pivotal circumstances that I'm talking about, some things that he didn't see coming. And I just wanted to give him an opportunity to share the experiences that he has encountered and along the way, what are the things initially that, that, that he's learned from that? And so, Chris, why don't you catch everyone up just kind of on the situation that you find yourself in and the circumstances that you've faced in the last few months? Sure. Thanks. Yeah, it's been quite a challenge. Um, I worked for Siemens Corporation for 11 years. And back in September, I found out that I was going to be laid off. I got called into an office in front of my boss, an HR representative, and said, we're going to have to let you go. We're cutting expenses. And uh, sorry about that. Um, but you're, you know, and then shortly after I was escorted out the door. And then a few days later, we found out we were going to, ha- we were expecting our fourth. And, you know, excitement came. I was really excited. Then I thought, oh, wait a minute. You know, I, I, I'm without financial help here. And so the pressure began to build. And then uh, about a couple months after that, we, we found out that Sherry was having a miscarriage and, uh, you know, we, we went through a lot of sadness through that time. Why don't you describe as you, I mean, this was kind of all kind of in the same period. Why don't, why don't you describe um, your initial reaction just as you faced the, those things? Yeah, I really had a weird feeling come over, over me whenever I entered the door and looked around and saw the HR representative at work. And I thought, oh, my word, I'm out the door. I knew it before they even told me. And so just a rush came through my head and, you know, and then I started thinking, you know what, it's not about me. I started thinking, wow, what am I going to do with my family here? You know, the situation is going to be really hard, you know, for them to, to hear and, and go through with me. And that's all I could think about. They even asked me, what, do you want to comment on something or do you want to ask a question? And I said, you know, it's really not about me. You know, here and I started tearing up. I said, it's really about my family. And uh, so it was, it was a difficult time. And then, you know, uh, we were really excited when we found out that we were going to have our fourth, even in the midst of the loss of the job and, Got really uh, excited about that. And we had planned that and uh, talked to other people about that. And so uh, excitement came. And then, uh, you know, just a f- few months later when Sherry walked through the door and had her head down, and she, she was really, uh, you know, disturbed, as you can imagine. And, um, you know, it, just, it was just really a sad time. I, it, was, it was really hard. Sadness came. And, you know, that sadness for me turned into a lot of frustration. Uh, you know, it, it soon led to... You know, why Why is this happening? Um, I began to pull back and withdraw. You know, even the littlest things would irritate me. 
and around the house. Um, and so I really let it, it, it bother me. And then, you know, as I withdrew from sharing, I isolated from her. It really became an issue. Now, this, this is something that, that as you face, um, it really is a process that even now, you know, you're, you're dealing with and your family's dealing with. And um, no surprise, what, what we're talking about is really how this, you know, can grow you. These types of things that you've described and what you've experienced, how it, they actually can grow you. So... What happened as, as you had this initial reaction and the emotional response and just facing just this situation, which all of us would just, in the midst of it, just try to figure out what to do? How, how did you kind of see what, what God was doing to just encourage you in those times to, to grow your faith, like we've been talking about with, with these catalysts? You know, it, it's, it's definitely still a process. Uh, one of the things is, is I, as I started get out, getting things out in the open, um, and really turning to God for help. And, you know, that really came as a result uh, from him showing us that he was our only hope in our time of troubles. And and that really helped us give us the charge to hang in there and do what's right. Uh, there's some specific ways he did that. Um, one is, you know, Sherry would tell me how she was really um, getting a lot of strength from the word, you know, just keeping her thoughts straight, not letting them stray off and say, you know, why did this happen to us? Um, another thing that came was for me was, you know, we we um, had our life group going at that time. It was a big help, big prayer support and from them and, and just discussing things as we went through life together was such a key. And I remember going through the enemy thoughts. You know, we just had a series on the enemy thoughts in the fall. And this is not what I want was one of the major ones I, you know, I was going through at the time. And, um, you know, it's, it quickly turned in, you know what, because it's not what I want, I'm going to handle this on my own. And I turned inward and really began to internalize everything and, and uh, keep it in. And that really impacted relationship with Sherry. And, um, you know, one of the verses in the sermon that really stood out to me and resonated with me during that time was Luke 22:42, where it says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of suffering from me, but not mine, but your will would be done. And, you know, just... Just that whole thought of, you know, Jesus at his most you know, moment where he was getting ready to go to the cross in the garden and he was at his lowest point in his life. And and yet he handled it the right way. And, and, and that really gave me an encouragement to really turn from, uh, you know, what I wanted and really do what he wanted in the situation and realize I could give it to him like Jesus did to the Father. And that... Um, you know, I started um, opening up more. And then, you know, one specific situation when Sherry was at her probably her lowest point, just really physically and mostly in need uh, through the miscarriage. Uh, I just remember I didn't really understand her her needs. You know, I, at one point I said, well, do you need to get some time alone? She's like, no, I need you to be here with me through this. And I, I had used some harmful words and we had, um, you know, battled through this together. And, and as we began to start clearing things up and discussing it, it really helped me to get things out in the open. And I, and I realized I need to turn this in another opportunity for me to turn this to the Lord. So uh, that was that was really a good turning point at that point. And, you know, there, again, I could go into specific examples over and over of other things that God used. But, you know, another thing, timely, timely words from others. There's a lot of people that would just call us and say, you know, I'm praying for you. This, you know, this happened to us. And we're like, wow, you know, this happened to them. And just the encouragement of having a community like that, uh, you know, it's just unbeatable. You just really need that. Uh, the hard attitudes were guardrails for us. I mean, those things work, guys. I mean, 
I tell you, they are the guardrails of relationships. They are the things that hold the relationships together if you practice them. We, we've committed to those. The, being honest and open, you know, again, I was wrestling through that. But just being committed to say, you know what, God, I'm turning to you with this thing. Um, you know, there's two others, uh, clearing up relationships. I needed to clear that up with, with, with Sherry time and again. You know, my attitude, my uh, not being open with her. Um, putting her interests above my own. You know, it's such a key. Those hard attitudes here, if you're not sure about what those are, I would ask people. And those are really key. Well, thanks, Chris, for, for sharing. Uh, let's give Chris a hand. I just ask uh, you guys to, to pray for, um, for Chris and, and their family. And w- one of the reasons I wanted Chris to share is uh, they're, they're in the middle of this. And uh, when you're in the middle of it, uh, oftentimes it's just a raw experience. But at the same time, in the middle of it is that's where oftentimes our faith is being cooked and it's being grown and it's, and it's being stretched. So I'm going to pray for them right now and then we'll continue. God, thank you for, for Chris and Sherry. And I, I just pray for, for their family that you'll provide uh, a job uh, for Chris. And uh, I know there's many people that are looking for jobs and uh, in the midst of that, uh, the stress can overwhelm, but I pray, God, that you'll provide, that you'll give uh, Chris and anyone else that's just looking for work uh, the right fit, um, just that fits within their schedule, uh, but also that you'll just open up doors that they cannot see, and you'll allow things to just uh, be put together in a way that they can look and see how you've provided. And I just pray also for comfort for Chris and Sherry as they just continue to deal with their loss. Thank you, God, that, that you do draw near to us in our time of need. In the name of Lord Jesus. Uh, amen. Uh, like, like I mentioned, just as, as we experience these things like Chris just described, uh, there's these pivot points where we decide, well, I'm either going to approach this one way, uh, which could be to, to draw inward, which could be to kind of rely on ourselves, and that's one pivot that we could make. Or we could pivot this way, which is despite the things that I don't know, despite the things that uh, I want to do, I realize that this, this is something that I can't control. This is something that I need to let God work out. And those pivots, either turning this way or turning that way, those make all the difference on how circumstances and how trouble uh, impact us. And so I want to uh, look at the scriptures and talk about a passage which you may have heard before, but it really describes our approach to these circumstances. It describes the right kind of approach, the right kind of attitude, and from there, the things that, that flow. And so I, I hope that this will be a help to you, a reminder to you, if you've never experienced this before or heard this before, that it would also be just a challenge to you that you'll see that I don't have to be a victim of the things that happen to me, but in the midst of it, I can choose to think the right thoughts and act the right way with God's help. And so let, let's go ahead and, and, and dig in. Uh, here's, here's the bottom line that you find in Scripture. Uh, Trouble is a test of faith that has tremendous value. Uh, in Scripture, it's actually something that we, it should be received, uh, not because we're all super excited about it, but just because it's, it is inevitable. It will happen. And if we learn to learn from trouble, it, it has value in, in so much of life. And so as you dig in the book of James, in the first chapter, you get just valuable uh, insights that, that I just want to spend a little bit of time talking through. And this is uh, starting in verse two of chapter one. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith 
produces steadfastness or endurance. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so right there, when you read that, it's so counterintuitive, but it starts right off. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. When you meet trials of various kinds, not if, but when. And count it all joy, all joy. That just doesn't even seem to make sense. There's this aspect of everything that we encounter. We're supposed to have this attitude of God can use this. I'm not going to like it. It might be painful. It might set me back just in my thinking, but ultimately God can use it. And so we're supposed to count it as all joy. This, uh, this idea of uh, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness is really this patient endurance. We can count it all joy, not because the trouble is great in itself, but because of that, that it produces a patient endurance endurance in us it allows us to be steadfast that's this picture of you can stand up under the things that are weighing on you you will not be crushed i don't know about you but when i face trouble when i face circumstances that i don't see coming my initial reaction is usually like no this is going to squash me i can't handle this and that's actually true i can't handle most of the things i face by myself. I think I can and I have certain strategies, but at the end of it, they run out. I run out of energy. I run out of willpower. I run out of the right attitude. What I need is something that lasts like steel, that despite being heated, it's not going to burn off. And that's what steadfastness is. God, in the midst of trouble, wants to build this patient endurance in us that allows us to stand under the things we face. And if you're like me, we have certain objectives in our life. You have a family you want to you have a good family if you have a job you want to work hard and have a successful job uh, if you want to build the right kind of life it's going to take a lot of work through all these objectives anything that's actually worthwhile in life we're going to experience trouble that's how life is the real good and the things that actually last have been tested by trouble and it's the same for all of us none of us are the exception we're all going to face it and so we need this endurance in us so we can stand up under it. And it goes on further in verse 4. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The picture is that trouble, as you endure trouble and don't try to bail out of it and don't try to just get out from under it as quick as possible, you'll, you'll actually have a maturity that stands the test of time. You'll actually have all you need to live the life that you're going to experience. And all of us want that. We want to be able to handle life. None of us wake up and think, you know, what? I just hope I face some things that I am going to freak out about today. Or I'm going to fail in today. Or I just want to experience things that I'll just discover don't work today. Right? None of us experience that or none of us would say that. We want to be equipped. We want to be able to handle what we are given. And what the scriptures is saying is this comes, this steadfastness and this completeness, having all that you need to handle life actually comes through the catalyst God brings specifically how we can endure trusting in him in the midst of the trouble. 
And the opposite is true. Wrong responses dull the effect of trouble. Something that Chris shared that stood out to me is the questions that he was asking. And we all have those kinds of questions. When things hit us that we did not see coming, whether it's regret, whether it's pain, whether it's trouble, whether it's trial, whether it's pressure, oftentimes the questions are, why me? Why did this have to happen? Or why did this person do it? If we're experiencing something because of something else that someone else did, why did they do that? Why am I here? Why is this so hard? We ask a lot of why questions. Why me? Why now? Why can't this be over? So we can ask a lot of why questions. Another response is we can resent God in the midst of it. Why did God let this happen to me? Why did, this, why did God let this happen to them? Or we begin to get bitter at people. Why did this allow this to happen? Why can't they help me? Why are they not working with me? Because in the midst of when the heat is turned up, oftentimes our relationships can begin to deteriorate. And I appreciate Chris's honesty. He was just talking about part of this battle was between him and God and also his close relationships, figuring out what God is trying to teach him in the midst of that. And that's how trouble works. That's how God uses it. In the midst of it, we can deal rightly with our relationship with him And it also brings out the things that we need to do right as we relate to others. And here's something that I've experienced myself and many people who've walked with God for a long period of time, and even a short period of time can experience, and that is that God can make the trouble worthwhile. It doesn't make sense how that is. But because God wants to use it for our good and for our growth, he will make it count. Now, that is contingent, again, on our attitude and our response. And so, as we look at this idea of being perfect and complete, not lacking in anything, I want to talk, how, talk about, just as I wrap up, how God grows our faith as we rely on Him. And we're going to look at the next three verses. So, here's the picture. Count it all joy when you face it, not if. Because of what it produces, steadfastness. And what does steadfastness produce in me? Maturity. I can handle all that life throws at me. All that I experience. Whether it's from what I've done or from not what I've done. Whether it was in my control or out of my control. I can handle it. I can patiently endure the fires that are heating and boiling over in my life. I can endure Because God gets me through. And I want to talk about what that, what that looks like. And so uh, verse 5 through 8 gives us this picture of, okay, this is the attitude you're supposed to have. This is the perspective that you need to think through to make the most out of this catalyst. And then this, this is really the response. This is the action step you're supposed to take. Verse 5 through 8 it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So the first four verses, you get this great picture of the attitude. And then verse 5, it just gets real. If any of you lacks wisdom. I don't know about you, but when I experience pain and trouble... 
That's when I realize how much I don't know. Isn't that true? You ever faced a crisis with multiple people, multiple components? There's timelines, there's issues, and you look at all the things that you can control and it's like this much. And then you look at all the things you can't control and it's like the size of this auditorium. And then you begin to think, how am I going to do it? How is this going to work? How am I going to survive this? I know I can endure. I know I'm not going to be crushed. But what's it going to look like? How is it going to work? And then you continue reading. It's always good to continue reading the scriptures. Because you're like, that's amazing. And then you start freaking out. You read verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. Wisdom is really the ability to take what you have. To take what you're facing and actually know how to move forward. Actually how to make the most of what's happening around you. Again, it's based on your attitude, but if any of you lacks wisdom, you ask God and he gives the help. So that's our role under pressure, our role in the fire, our role in the trouble, in the pain. We need to ask God for help. Because oftentimes I, in the midst of the trouble, realize all I don't know. I have great plans and strategies on paper and then life happens and it's like, I didn't have that contingency. That wasn't like an appendix on the last page of my plan. It didn't exist. I didn't see it coming. I don't know what to do. Instead of just wallowing and standing still, (laughs) crying, (laughs) I'm just going to stay and cry. You can do that, but you're just going to be getting drowned by a puddle. You've got to move forward and so you have to ask for wisdom. For God to help. And he will. This is just an honest, you turn to God. God, I don't know what to do here. Will you help me? You read the scriptures. God, I don't know what to do. I need to find somebody who can help. Can you show me somebody who I can ask in the midst of all I'm facing? And you ask somebody. That's why all these catalysts are wired together. Because we need perspective that can help us. We need people that can help us. We need disciplines that can help us. Because when life gets complex, we need all these things so our faith can continue to grow. So we need to ask him for help. Second is we, have, we need to have faith that he will provide. And this is kind of the give and take here. You're asking God for wisdom. And at the same time, realizing that, you know what? He will help me. It may not be exactly what I think I should have done, or I may not do exactly what I thought I was supposed to do, but he will help. And that's faith. Again, God, I'm going to do what you've said to do. As much as I know I'm supposed to do, you do it. The things that you don't know what to do, you ask him for help. You ask for wisdom. And that's really the picture of obedience. You take the next step that you have. When you've taken that step, you ask God, what's the next step? And when that's clear, you take that step. Well, God, I've taken that step. I don't know what to do again. You ask him for help. Then when that step becomes clear, you take the next step. You get the picture. That's this thing. You ask him for help. When you get the next step, what you're supposed to do in the middle of this trouble you face, you take it and you take it and you take it. And over time, you realize, you look back, you're like, wow, I'm not back there. Shaking in my boots. I've actually made progress. God has shown me the path to go. And your faith is grown. 
And there's this picture here of the person who asks him faith. They're not like the person who's being tossed to and fro by a wave. Have you ever gotten wiped out at the beach before? I mean really wiped out. I remember one of the first times, I, I grew up in England, and there's an ocean called the Atlantic. And I don't know if you knew this, but like that doesn't really have waves. Okay, it, it can be very cold, but it doesn't have waves. And I remember the first time I came to the United States and I um, kind of the first time I really got in the ocean was in San Diego. And I discovered a few things. One is like riptides. Like those are real. Because I got rescued by a lifeguard twice, two days in a row. It was like so embarrassing. First day, he's like, hey, you know, grab this. And he tugged me in. I was like, wow, like free ride. You know, I didn't have to pay for that, you know. Second day, it's like the same lifeguard. I'm like, don't you guys rotate shifts, you know? And it was like, hey, remember, like, Riptide? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this is, you know? <laughs> uh, that didn't work either, because then, you know, maybe he didn't think I knew how to swim. But so I discovered Riptides. But once I got past the Riptides, I actually discovered things called, like, huge waves. And you think you're a stud on the waves, like, looking at them, like, yeah, I'm in the ocean with waves, but you're, like, in the white water. It's like, wow, these are awesome. He's like, hey, you actually have to get out, you know. So I got out and I caught a wave and I was like on top of the wave. And I was like an Olympic gymnast underwater. I got wiped out and I'm doing like double Lutz twists like, oh, oh, you know, and I, I come out of the water and instead of doing like one of these, it was like, where's that lifeguard? Where are and I was. I was wiped out. I, I got in like, you don't know where the shore is. I'm, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of wipeout where you get up out of the water and you don't know like where the sky is. You're just, and then I got my bearings and I start to walk and, and you just go back to the, the shore and you sit down and you look around. You're hoping no one's there. You're completely unstable. You're completely disoriented. And this is what the scripture is saying. You read like tossed and fro. Well, that, that's what it's talking about. It's this idea of you, you're wiping out in the trouble. And the reason is, is you're double minded. This is what it means. It means on one end, you're like, yes, God, you will provide, you will help. And on the other end, it's, but I'm going to do everything I need to do and control this. And you're tossed to and fro. Yeah, God, I, I, I trust you. But yeah, God, but it's got to work out right now. And you're just tossed to and fro. You're disoriented. So the scripture is warning us. You ask for wisdom. And you have to have faith. And faith is really, in the, when we deal with trouble, it's a matter of time. Because you can count joy in trouble if it's like a day. Right? Like, we could deal with most stuff for a day, right? But what about like a month? What about six months? What about a year? What if you're going to be faced with something that lasts a whole year? Every day you have to deal with it. Two years. We wouldn't sign on for that. But isn't that what happens? We have no idea of the time. We have no idea of all the impact. But faith is, as long as this goes on, as long as I'm in the midst of this heat, God will not burn me. He'll not leave me to fry. 
He will come through. That's faith. Double-minded is relying on yourself and also trusting God. It doesn't work. You have two feet on different foundations. You're going to wipe out. Faith is, I trust you, God, and I don't know the timing. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I trust that you will work it out. It's having faith that he will provide. And the last thing is you, you choose to obey. But that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, man, unstable in all his ways. The cure to a divided heart is choosing God alone and having an undivided heart. That's the cure. Deciding at the end of the day, you're going to trust in him. If I'm talking about these things and you face some things in your life that you think no one's experienced, you face some things even right now and you're thinking, I don't even know how God exists in this moment that I'm facing. I want to encourage you, in the midst of this, the reaction and the feelings that you have, God right now wants to speak to you. And he wants to draw near to you to help you. That is real. So despite all the things that you're facing and you're feeling, oftentimes it's in those pressure points that God can become the most real. Because he's God. He has strength like no one has strength. He has perspective like no one has perspective. He has resources like no one has resources. And whatever you're facing is not too big for God. That sounds cliche, but it is the truth. And so I just encourage you, all the things that you're thinking and feeling and going through, it's right in that moment where God works. And that's why we choose to obey, because we want to do life His way. And here's His promises as I wrap up. He provides generously. This is why we can trust Him. Let Him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given Him. He's saying, I'm not going to hold what you've done against you. I'm not going to hold my resources from you. If you turn to me and you want to rely on me and put your confidence in me, the wisdom that you want, I will pour forth. It will be granted to you. So he provides generously. The second thing is he adds stability as we trust his guidance. That's the cure from being thrown by the waves. He adds stability. In closing, there's a sheet in your uh, program. I know there's lots of things in there, and I think it's right connected to the message outline if you see that. But it's a, a page that looks like this on the screen. just says, the five catalysts and my habits. And this is the way forward. So we've been talking about all these catalysts and the thing that God wants to do to grow your confidence in him. And what we decided was just to be a help to you. We thought it'd be kind of uh, a good resource to just give you a, all the catalysts as a reminder with the next steps that you can take again and again to make sure that you're focusing on a specific catalyst. And so I just want to encourage you as I wrap up, uh, we've talked about a lot in the last five weeks Lots of different circumstances, lots of different resources, lots of different things that God does. We've talked a lot about his promises. And so as I wrap up, I just want you to look at that sheet. I encourage you to consider, are there any of these catalysts that we've been talking about that you see that that's the one that 
that you need to focus on, or that's maybe the one that you're experiencing right now, and you need to learn from it. So I just encourage you, look at those next steps that you can take, or if there's any other next steps related to that catalyst that you just kind of sense you need to do, I, w- I want to encourage you to just think about that. And so I'm going to pray, and then JR is going to walk us through some more next steps. But uh, now's the time just to kind of take a look back as we've looked at these catalysts, as we've kind of just ended on the things that we face, how God wants to help us. Look at just see, what, what can I do to really maximize what God wants to do in me and through me? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for being a God who doesn't waste uh, the things that we experience and face. The reason knowing that you is so important is nothing passes your knowledge or nothing is beyond your understanding. So what we face, you, you understand. What we encounter, you already know. What we've done, you have seen. So God, we don't want to hide from you. We don't want to run from you. And God, if that's our inclination, I pray by the power of Jesus that you'll allow us to stop and consider you. That you'll allow us to stop and turn to you. We thank you for the wisdom that you give us, the stability that you provide, and for the hope that you give. In the name of Lord Jesus, we do pray. Amen.